We are the Early Career Research Forum with the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care. The focus of the ECRF is to provide members with opportunities to access peer and mentor support, develop links with senior researchers, participate in capacity building workshops, and share knowledge across disciplines. And I am Stacey Power-Walsh, Networking Officer for the Early Career Research Forum and your host. We are delighted to be launching our ECRF podcast during Palliative Care Week 2020. If any of our listeners would like to become a member of the ECRF, subscribe free at www.professionalpalliativehub.com forward slash research forward slash ECRF. We are in keeping with this year's Palliative Care Week theme, In This Together, recognising that palliative care requires a broad range of professionals, family cares, and communities to support the person with the life-limiting diagnosis and those close to them. We have some really great podcasts lined up this week, from an interview with a person living with palliative care needs, a lecture in palliative care nursing, and an ECRF member and healthcare professional, and their experience of palliative care and COVID-19. We welcome your thoughts and questions. Please tweet our direct questions to at AIIHPC underscore ECRF. Today's podcast will present a lecture in palliative care nursing and the importance of education and research in developing a competent and skilled workforce to provide excellent palliative care to meet the holistic needs of people with life-limited conditions and their families. We are honoured now to be joined by Claire Quinn, Programme Coordinator and Lecturer on both the Adults and Children's Palliative Care Masters in NUI Galway. Welcome to our podcast, Claire. Thanks, Stacey. Great to be here. Great. So, Claire, can you tell us a little about your current lecturing role and the palliative care courses you deliver in NUI Galway? Yeah, um, so I am uh, lucky enough to be uh, the programme director for both the adult masters in children's palliative and complex care needs and also for the adult palliative care uh, masters. So, So it's a great role, lots of responsibility, very busy. Um, but it's just, as a palliative care nurse, it's a tremendous opportunity to um, assist and influence the future education and research needs of, of nurses going into the future in both adult and, and uh, children's palliative care. Um, and there is so much happening in both specialties at the moment. So it's, it's great to be involved. Yeah, fantastic. And can you tell us a little bit what's going on at the minute? The Children's Palliative Care Programme, if, if I talk about that first, that we're going into our fifth year of that programme now, which is just amazing uh, yeah. to me because it's a programme that was set up um, in response to the, the, the request by the HSC um, you know, as you know, Stacey, there's increasing numbers of children living uh, long lives with life-limiting illness. And I suppose the, the HSC and many other voluntary services were aware that there was a, a shortage of nurses with the exact and precise and the, and the competent skills to care for that population of children. Um, and previously, education was provided in a very ad hoc manner. Um, some some nurses had to go to the UK or further abroad to get their education requirements. Um, there was programmes, local certificate programmes offered nationally, but nothing that appealed to those uh, that population of nurses who wanted to go on and become specialists in the field. So um, NUI Galway, in collaboration with UCD, um, 
ran with the ball and designed a, a brand new, very dynamic um, programme, which is constantly evolving, which meets the service needs of uh, children and families throughout the country and further abroad. Um, and just last week, we've had the we've had 29 nurses now graduate with that master's in children's palliative care. Um, or postgrad diplomas. Some exit out with postgrad diplomas. Some go on and do a masters. Um, but it's just tremendous to know that nationally now there's all of these nurses with this new, this new um, skill and qualifications to care for this population. Absolutely. Um, well done. And we've had, we've also had eleven graduates who've gone on to do significant pieces of research in the field. So that's that's adding to. To the evidence base for us here in Ireland and uh, we're hoping to get most of those published some have published already but we want to go on and share our our wonderful findings um internationally too and can you um, share with our listeners the importance of that palliative care research then that's been undertaken within year two of the masters yeah so I think what 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 strikes me as the most important for for this this group who are doing the masters is that there's many different types of nurses that come into work in children's palliative care and um, and i'm I'm constantly amazed by the diversity that we have really so we have we've nurses who are working on general pediatric units we have nurses working in oncology we've nurses who come from r n i d backgrounds we've nurses who uh, work within adult palliative care teams who want to learn more. We have an increasing number of nurses who are coming from public health nursing backgrounds, and that is tremendous because I think that the knowledge that they're going to bring forward into their everyday practice is, is tremendous. Um, and uh, the nurses who go on and do the, the research, they bring their background specialties to that mix of research within palliative care. So you have, for example, several nurses, as I've said, who have the RNID qualification and they go on and they do, you know, uh, research into end of life care needs of, of children with neurological disabilities or, um, and they, they're bringing that research into areas where previously palliative care was not a kind of, um, was not a it was known about but it wasn't an everyday um component of their practice so that's yeah. something that really heartens me when i see that happening so it's um, very much again, influenced practice and policy within their discipline absolutely and again this year to see two public health nurses qualify um graduate from the program with two really good pieces of research um, that they're going to bring with them into the public health nursing arena is uh, really heartening and, and, and helping to bridge that gap between, you know, this is your discipline and this is my discipline. It's the mix of the two disciplines now. So these public health nurses going into the future will be able to care alongside the other professionals um, in the direct hands-on care needs of the child at the end of life. So that's, that's tremendous, really. Fantastic. So the paediatric um, programme has been really excellent in the fact that it's so new. How about the adults that's more established? Um, yeah, what, kind so, of, what does that offer? Yeah, so our adult palliative care programme was rewritten um, about 10 years ago. Um, and during that journey, um, it had to be modified to incorporate the HSC competencies for palliative care, and that was done. But when I took over the programme a couple of years ago, I... 
I also went back to clinical practice at the same time to do some clinical work over the summer. And what struck me was how palliative care is evolving. Um, for example, the, the use now of um, uh, PCOP, you know, the, the patient assessment um, uh, assessment tool, um, you know, to prioritise needs in the palliative care environment. The, the huge numbers of referrals coming in now for non-malignant, and that's something that we always aspire to in palliative care. So when I came back um, to look at our curriculum, I was really struck by, you know, what we were doing was great and it had been a success and the students seemed to have been happy with it, but I was also very aware of what we weren't doing. Okay. So in collaboration with our head of school, we had some discussions around, um, and some other national experts as well, you know, what was missing from our curriculum. So at, at the moment, the university have made the decision that we've paused the programme because we're going to revamp the programme totally. Okay. Um, we're quite aware that there are some groups, I can't say too much because obviously the programme is, is under is under um, review at the moment and has to go through our programme board and etc. But we're quite um, confident that our new programme is going to meet the needs of... Uh, the, change, the changing and evolving patterns of palliative care into the future and the type of populations that we're now caring for that previously we didn't address within the palliative care program. So, so that's what we're doing. So for this year, the program is not running, but okay. we really do have fantastic plans for next year. Fantastic. So, yeah. We look forward to hearing more about those. In particular, to students undertaking research, I suppose, within this year when COVID-19 uh, occurred, how did you continue to support the early career research that were undertaking research at this time, you know, as part of year two masters? Yeah, I think, um, I think quite a few of us, because obviously we're clinicians first as, as nurse lecturers, we're very aware of what was coming down the track. So from January onwards, um, many of us uh, kept that special eye on our students because we knew now that they must be struggling within the workplace or that things were going to be changing for them. So an example of that would that we would be, you know, kind of insisting that they were meeting their milestones in relation to the progression of their masters, but also on the same time, allowing um, more space within our discussions for pastoral care needs and the challenges that they were meeting in clinical practice. Um, as a, as a university and as a school of nursing, I, I think we were really, uh, we were led so well by our heads of school in relation to flexibility for those students. Um, so first and foremost, they are clinicians, many of them were at the front line. Um, so we would have seen a couple of our students have to pause their studies or take some time out. Yeah. Um, and that has now delayed their submissions to a, a little bit later on this month. Um, but that's fine, too. So um, we were really flexible about timelines and submission timelines. Um, also, they may have needed a little bit more support. Um, they may have forgotten bits and pieces that they had been told already. So you're putting in strategies to help them recording supervision lessons um, you know, to try and remind them of what needed to be done and to kind of keep your focus on the on the timelines. What really impressed me, I, I think, in relation to COVID, which I didn't think was going to happen, I thought that we would have quite a lot more people withdrawing from the programme okay. and saying, I just can't finish this. 
but we didn't have that. People were very focused still on their research, very proud of their research and the work they had done today. Most of them had finished, if if you were looking at um, especially qualitative research, which would be my field, they had finished their interviews um, and their data collection. So they really, the impetus there to get on and to finish this piece of research was very strong. Um, And I think that the class that graduate this year with their masters um, are really to be acknowledged. They, They have done so in extraordinary circumstances you know some of the stories and difficulties that they've shared with us have been really challenging for them brilliant and I suppose they were quite lucky in the fact that if they had a lot of their data collection done and from personal experience it's been very much how to adapt to the whole online and data collection and yeah yeah and and then just creating that flexibility of when they could meet with you. So we were totally flexible um, yeah. evenings, whenever we knew that their clinical work, you know, to precedence. So we, we, we met with them whenever it would suit them online um, to just give them that extra bit of support, really. And to know there was someone there at the end, they weren't alone on this research journey. Fantastic. And that's so important to support early career researchers and sure. get them engaged and get them interested. And tell me, how has the particular research undertaken during these MSc? I know you kind of referred to a couple of the studies that have been done. How have they made a difference to patients, carers and families throughout the island of Ireland? So Is there I any study in particular? Yeah. yeah, so I guess, you know, the research topics were chosen before COVID, obviously. Yes. So, you know, there hasn't been a study done um, under my watch, for example, of, you know, the impact of COVID on nurses who care for elderly patients at the end of life or whatever. We haven't, obviously that hasn't been done. Um, I think, you know, and the impact of the research that's being done is very hard to measure because they're really only just wrapping up now, you know, getting their marks in. Again, as as a team, as a research team throughout our programme, we we are impressed by the standard of marks that have come in because, again, we expected that the quality may be poor, but that hasn't seemed to be affected this year. So it's amazing. So that in itself is actually a bit of a study there, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, You know, the the resilience and the tenacity of of these research uh, students have just been tremendous. Um, But I I think that, you know, uh, I think there's other papers that could come out of, of their work that they do. You know, they can they can share their their visions and, and their experience, I guess, for researchers under pressures. And I think it'll be after um, they have submitted their research that they will have a chance to reflect on, on how stressful and difficult this has been. Yeah. Um, the research that I've been supervising has been in children's palliative care. So the impact on that, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm seeing all of the research that we're doing having an impact because people are sharing primarily first in their own areas of work, then outside their their own areas of work with, say, for example, again, you know, their RNID colleagues or their public health nursing colleagues, but also then um, beginning to share uh, nationally and internationally. Fantastic. It's really good. And tell me, Claire, have you any advice for early career researchers involved in palliative care research? Or what advice would you give your younger self starting off in research? Gosh, that's a yeah. question. <laughs> I'll tell you a question. Um, advice. Um, 
I think that um, I think you need to look at the team you're going to be working alongside, and I and I <clears throat> I talk about that in relation to yes, where you study. So who's going to be supervising you? What are their backgrounds? Um, do they do they marry well with your own beliefs and philosophy in relation to research? So finding that match wasn't something that I thought about when I was starting off as a researcher. Okay. But it's something I think as you go through, and I'm sure you agree, Stacey, as well, it's it's really important. Um, and so, you, you know, you enrol for a master's, but you don't ever imagine who's going to be working alongside you doing the research. And that's very much how I see the role of a supervisor when somebody's doing a piece of, of research for their master's, that you're actually, yes, you are their supervisor, but you're working alongside them, you're supporting them, you're, you're mentoring them, you're encouraging them, you're like training somebody for a marathon, really. Um, so I think that's very important. And building that relationship, honesty between the two people or the team that's doing the research. Um, and again, some of the team research projects I've been involved in, um, that sense of unified goals within the research project because people are doing research for different reasons. So you all want to make sure you're singing off the same hymn sheet. Um, I'm sure you'll laugh at this when I say this, but making sure it's quite clear from the off who's doing what. Okay. So you're yeah. working on a team piece of research. I think that's crucial. I also have been in projects where it wasn't very sure how much contribution was going to be needed, but I think that that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, that there are team decisions made on the research, around the research in relation to publication um, journals, um, methodologies used, modifications to the research strategy as you go along. Um, so I think that needs to be a team approach, uh, which is preferable. Um, contributions of all partners, whether they are used in data collection or whether it's the final write-up, I think all of those need to be fairly um, shared and, and acknowledged within the research, which sometimes is forgotten about. Um, what else? Have I answered all your questions there? That is some excellent advice for all early career researchers, including myself. Um, Claire, thank you so much. I really sincerely want to thank you for joining us today and uh, sharing your experience of teaching and learning and research in palliative care. And I wish you all the best in your future career in research. And you um, Thank you. And again, listeners, we welcome your thoughts and questions. Please tweet or direct questions to at AIIHPC underscore ECRF. And from all of us at the Early Career Research Forum, thank you for listening. If any of you early career researchers have your own research or an event you would like to share, I can be reached on Twitter at PowerStace or by email powerstace at hotmail.com. Thank you and goodbye.